0: You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, our show helping you build positive team culture. Our consulting firm has spent 25 years investing in teams so that people are mentally engaged and emotionally healthy. Hello, everyone. It's Nathan Freeberg. And today on the podcast, we are continuing on in our series of It's What Leaders Do. Here's Brian Shubring telling us why leaders, well, they get it wrong. So what do leaders do? They get it
1: wrong. They get it wrong and they get it wrong a lot. But conversely, leaders also believe that they're getting it right most of the time. And herein lies the tension. And if you're a team member of a leader that tends to get it wrong, you'll understand that by what they say, they're often convincing themselves that they're getting it right. But the leaders that we have found that are making significant impact on their people and their organizations do this. They get it wrong. And in getting things wrong, they recognize that in giving themselves permission and freedom to fail, they're also giving other people permission and freedom to fail, They're not afraid to cast new visions and, and set goals, knowing that many of them will be missed. And leaders also have this ability to continue to move on, to adapt, to change and to navigate what do leaders do. They get it wrong. Hello, Brian. Well, hello, Nathan. Good morning.
0: Good morning. It's interesting morning because this morning I can actually see your knees. I know, and my feet and my legs, and I can see the rips in your jeans. These I are very fashionable. I don't dress. know how you're wearing jeans. It is a million degrees outside, but that's a podcast. Well, aren't jeans the way that you hug your legs? That's <laughs> we'll discuss that more in our fashion podcast. Linda's here, too. She's trying not to laugh and not to listen. Uh, leaders get it wrong, and they get it wrong a lot. Yes, I do. I have so many ideas of how Mm -hmm. and where we could take this. Um, uh, Have you heard about the Google study of engineers? Uh, Yeah, I've actually
1: uh, heard of that Google study. There was one uh, trip that I went on and I brought six or seven books. I think four or five of them actually refer to the study. So yes, it's a
0: well-researched, well-used study. Do you want to talk about that? Because I think it's applicable here to support your... Uh, Your your thesis that leaders get it wrong, dot, 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 a lot. Well,
1: what I liked about the, the study was this indication that at Google, they weren't afraid to dream. They weren't afraid to imagine these audacious visions and set huge goals. But there was also this caveat that there was an expectation that at least 40% of these visions and goals and dreams were going to fail. They just simply were not going to work. But what did that do? It created this environment where people were not afraid to dream because they knew that if there was a failure, there was a soft landing. And the illustration that comes to my mind is a pole vaulter. You know, the pole vaulter does all these these this practice and this training. And if you've ever seen a pole vaulter prepare um, for their their jump, they're focused. They got a super super high goal, and they're running down. They they vault themselves up, and whether they make it or whether they fail, there's always a soft landing. Unless you're like me and you tend to watch um, those colossal fail videos on YouTube where you see the pole vaulters crashing. I, I, but I do more, e- either th- more way, than I should admit. The freedom to fail is the ability to know that you have permission to reach and to dream and to aspire to great innovative things, and there's always the freedom and safety to fall and, and to fall in a way that is welcomed and that is expected, and the truly influential leaders that I have seen, they're just not afraid
0: to take the leap or to set the big goal, and they expect failure. So the freedom to fail is, you know, when I first read this, I was like, okay, I, I get where he's going with this. Where does that come from? And how do you, if you're not the leader, if you're not at the top, if you're not, in an environment like Google that's like, you know, we expect you to fail most of the time and you'll eventually get it right. How can you, I don't know, give yourself freedom or permission to fail or how, I guess, how do you embody it when your culture and your environment is one of, you know, if you're not successful 99.9% of the time you're out of here. So I think we all like the
1: intonation of the phrase free to fail. You know, it just makes sense. It rolls off the tongue, free to fail. Uh, if you're a leader, and you're leading a team and you're expecting them to do great things, I would challenge you to switch out other words for fail. Uh, free to try, free to express, free to do, free to make a list. And in all these different ways, you're you're actually breaking down the big vision into smaller steps. And some of the research talks about how effective teams or productive teams or or people that actually reach their goals, they set the vision out there and they're breaking it down into incremental steps so that even when things are missed or not met, the ad- adaptation is perceived as a success where the failure doesn't stop their movement. The failure or the loss or the difficulty is actually a propellant to something new. And it kind of creates this like this wind that kind of fills your sails and kind of moves you forward. And if you practice that, where the freedom to fail or the freedom to adapt or the freedom to shift or the freedom to make a new list, that's actually propelling you towards a goal
0: instead of like causing you to feel these starts and and stops. And that's kind of my second point here with this is the idea of sharing visions and missed goals. I think the best leaders, when they have the freedom to fail or freedom to whatever else you want to use it, like if you're not sharing that, it's sort of like the idea of, you know, aim for the stars and you land on the moon, like having those big audacious goals, whether, you know, if the only success option is landing someone on Mars, then you negate any other progress or positive things that have happened in that. But would you agree that leaders need to share that and like be like very open with this is what we're going for. We missed it, but we did achieve this. And so maybe we can readapt and do something else. I'm sorry I'm laughing at you, Nathan, because I didn't follow that at all, because you said something about missing,
1: and I had this dream of being at my childhood home, and for those of you who don't know, I suck at basketball, because I can't get the orange ball in the orange hoop, so there's that part. But my dad was trying to teach me how yeah, to I'm shoot basketball, and he kept seeing that I kept shooting it short, he's like, what are you aiming at? Like, my, my dad it doesn't sound like that. He's like, Brian, what are you aiming at? He's, he's more calm. And so I'm trying to get in the basket, And he's like, why don't you just try to hit that square orange box behind the basket? (laughs) And so once I tried that, my efficiency at making a basket went up exponentially. I was aiming for the wrong thing. But here was the idea. My dad's vision was to teach me how to make a basket. And my vision was off by like a foot. And so by sharing a vision, you can oftentimes solicit a conversation that reveals people's motivations or their misunderstanding or what their perceived capacities are by sharing a vision you're actually saying, here's my black and white outline of this coloring sheet. How can you help me color it in? And it's remarkable to watch where people start when they color. And that kind of observation can help the leader really understand where people's passions and interests are in the vision. And that practice alone will help you set goals that are more reliable and not often missed. The challenge that I found that when leaders get it wrong, but but they get wrong is that their interpretation of the vision fits everyone and their goals. Goals are achievable by everyone. So, when leaders are able to adapt, they're able to hand the vision coloring sheet over and then watch their team pick up colors, start to fill in, and watch the patterns emerge of where is the team truly focused and where are they seeing there's a need for color or not. I think that's a much greater way of helping a vision become a reality is when you speak it out loud. You listen to other voices, you ask for other participation, and you give yourself some time to let the vision emerge. And sometimes in that role, the leader's the leader's role is to simply maybe guide like sheepdog-like
0: the team towards the horizon and not the point on the horizon. I like that. And I think it really leads into our third point, expanding on this idea of how leaders get it wrong, is having the power to move on. And I can't help but quote what Ted said to Sam. I think in the first episode of Ted Lasso. Oh dear God! Do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> Not yet. What uh, animal has the shor- shortest memory? A goldfish. So go be a goldfish. And the idea was, when you mess up, you forget it and you move on. You think of you know uh, a sports athlete who has that ability. Who they you know make the wrong play. They strike out. Whatever it is, they have the ability to say that didn't go well I'm going to come out here the next time move on and it's a new at bat it's a new down it's a new whatever uh talk about that a little bit because I almost wonder if that's even more important the a leader's ability not to 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 dwell on the failure not to drag themselves down not to drag the rest of the team into oh man we missed our goal what are we going to do but be like all right let's move on here's the next thing there's a lot, a lot there that I just gave you. Hopefully there's some, some handle to grab onto. Let's just remember, they were talking about leaders get it wrong. And one of the great pieces
1: of advice I would like to share with leaders is this. The masterpiece is never the first attempt. Linda and I went to a museum in Paris. I'm not sure if it was the Musée d'Orsay or the Louvre or if it was in Venice. Not not Venice. Florence. Or if it was in Florence, I can't remember. But what we saw was, it was like Michelangelo or Rembrandt or like whatever. But it wasn't the masterpiece. It was this display of all the sketches that went into this masterpiece. I remember one little section where it was just like the position of, of the hand. And to look at all the different renditions of just the position of that hand before he actually got to the point where it was on the masterpiece, that was mind-boggling. But a great reminder that the masterpiece is never the first edition. Uh, If you think about great leaders and all the starts and stops that, that they have, or how long it takes for innovation to truly catch on, or how a great team is actually assembled, there's probably many, many iterations of that. And the point is that you're not afraid to take out an, a new sheet of paper or take out a blank canvas or to get some new clay and begin to put your hands to something because you know that it's in moving on that you're progressing it's in moving on that you're learning it's in moving on that you're relying on other people in different ways and you're open to new ideas and new areas of insp- or new ways of being inspired It's by moving on. One of the practices that I do is I write every day, old school, in a journal with a pen. And each day that I'm writing, I'm making progress. And each day that I write, I choose one of four different colors. And in that writing, there's this uh, statement to me that I'm growing, I'm moving on. And what I wrote yesterday may not have that great of relevance to tomorrow. And certainly, you know, 100 pages before, it probably doesn't. But the power is the freedom you give to yourself to move on, knowing that this journey of leadership that we're on is always evolving. There are new people, new innovations, there's new technology to use, but let's all give ourselves this one insight. It's okay to move on. Leaders, they get it wrong. And in the getting wrong, they give themselves a new opportunity for possibility that they could never have had if they didn't
0: learn the power of letting go and moving on. I love that, Brian. And I can think of so many examples in my own life of getting something wrong, moving on, getting the next thing wrong, moving on. And you just kind of keep going. I think too often leaders, they make that mistake of, I put all my eggs in this one basket. It didn't work out. So now I'm just done. It's like old running shoes. It's like, (laughs) you got to move on. (laughs) You got to move on. No matter how much you like it. Uh, Any final thoughts? Anything else you want to add? The only thing I want to add is uh, this advice
1: is helpful for everyone in all areas of life. I know that there are some things that people hold so close to their heart, and so close to, to their mind. This invitation that I'm asking people is to simply look at something and, and ask, is this serving me? Is this still serving me? Um, sometimes you don't have to get it quote unquote wrong. Maybe the usefulness of what you're practicing it's run its course, and it's it's just time to, to let go. Give yourself the freedom to start over. Give yourself the opportunity to look at a blank canvas and vision again, and knowing that in doing that, you're not just giving yourself the power to move on, but you're also demonstrating to others that it's okay to move on, and that there's something new and life-giving for you, the next step, the next touch, the next word, the next vision away.
0: Thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, Click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. And if you found value from this episode or any of our other online resources, we would love it if you could review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or perhaps more importantly, forward this info on to someone else you think could benefit from growing in their strengths, in their leadership, or developing a healthier team culture. I'm Nathan Freeberg. And I am Brian Shubring. And on behalf of our entire team, thank you for, for listening. listening. <laughs> I like that. It's, e- it's easier to do it when we're in person. Is it? Yeah. There's no delay. Oh. However small. And done.